Welcome to the PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, degree qualified nutritionist. This podcast is a place to help show you how to reduce your PCOS symptoms. Getting diagnosed with PCOS can be super confusing. It typically comes with very little information about what the condition actually is and how to manage it long-term. In this podcast, we cover the keys to understanding what PCOS is, the best approaches to improving your PCOS, and of course, how to reduce your PCOS symptoms through non-medication-based approaches. If you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS or you've had PCOS for a long time and you're wondering, what the heck do I do now and what do I need to do to reduce my symptoms, this podcast exists to show you exactly that. If you have PCOS and you want a strategic approach to help you lose weight, banish acne, stabilize your cycles, and reduce anxiety-inducing hair growth, then I would love to invite you to register for my free PCOS Masterclass. In this Masterclass, I'm going to be breaking down my exact process that I use when I'm helping clients like you reduce and resolve their PCOS symptoms without medication. To get access to the Masterclass, all you need to do is head to the link in the show notes, or you can access it directly by going to selendouglas.com forward slash webinar hyphen registration hyphen EG, or you'll find that link in the show notes below. Welcome back to the podcast. Let's talk about BBT tracking. BBT is an acronym and it stands for basal body temperature tracking. That's what we're going to talk about in this episode today and we're going to get straight into it. So let's start with why. Why why am I talking about this? Why is it important and why is it something that I encourage a lot of our clients to do inside of the PCOS pathway? So Let's start there. Why? So BBT or basal body temperature tracking, really what it does is allows us to track and pick up ovulation, look at fertile windows and look at even the length of the luteal phase, which is the second half of the menstrual cycle. It is, I'm going to talk through in this episode, the nuts and bolts of actually how to do it as well uh, so that you've got that kind of action plan to go away with, but I want to start with why and and the kind of information that we can decipher from using this technique. So I really like it for PCOS and other uh, outside of PCOS. I love it as well, but I think in particular for PCOS, it's great because the other technique that a lot of people will use for looking at determining fertility, fertile windows, ovulation is uh, using LH strips. So you might have heard of that before. And the the premise behind that really is that you can dip these strips into your urine and see an LH surge, which will happen to initiate ovulation. These are really inaccurate for PCOS. So if you have Um, fertility goals or you're looking at understanding more about ovulation and you've used LH strips before and you have PCOS, it's really not something I ever recommend. And the reason is because it can give a lot of inaccurate data for PCOS. So in PCOS, one of the key 
hormonal issues that isn't always present but is very commonly present is really high levels of LH. And so when you're using the technique of LH strips for determining ovulation, it can look like you are ovulating multiple times in a cycle, which just actually isn't possible. Um, And this can be really, really confusing for you in actually understanding ovulation. And the reason that that's happening is because if you've got a sustained high level of LH and PCOS, you're going to basically be getting false positive readings on using that kind of data. So that's why I don't like using LH strips in PCOS. And then the other thing that I suppose can be quite confusing is some people look at their cervical fluid for determining ovulation. Now, that's sort of a conversation for another day. But of course, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, essentially just know that your cervical fluid changes at different times in the cycle to become um, more uh, adapt to um, allowing you to fall pregnant. So really the purpose behind it is that it will um, thicken and become more hospitable to sperm to allow um allow you to fall pregnant, essentially allow that sperm to meet the egg. Um, And the reason why that is also often not the best indicator of ovulation for PCOS is because you can get to attempted ovulation multiple times in a cycle and not actually get there. Whereas with BBT tracking, it's looking at retrospective uh, confirmation of ovulation. So it's not looking at It looks like ovulation is about to happen, which often happens in PCOS a lot. It is going, you did ovulate and it happened 24 hours ago. So that is why I really like BBT. Uh, I like it in all instances, uh, but specific for PCOS, I think it's really, really great tool to use um, to confirm ovulation. Now, why why is that even important? Um, and it's not just important for fertility. I think we talk about ovulation and, you know, tracking ovulation, tracking fertility and just think, oh, well, if I don't want to have a baby right now, does that even apply to me? Yes, it does. Ovulation is the most important part of your menstrual cycle. If you're not ovulating, you're just having a bleed. Uh, and the reason why we want to ovulate goes far beyond having a baby. Of course, that can be a really important goal for some people. But outside of that, it's really important for avoiding things like osteoporosis later in life. It's really important for your mood and your mental health and reducing risk of things like Alzheimer's for making sure that throughout your reproductive years, you actually have the right balance of these different hormones. It's really important for the health of your endometrial lining and even avoiding some types of cancers as well. So it is about so much more than having a baby. And that, of course, is such a pivotal goal for some people, which I understand, but please don't discount BBT tracking if having a baby is not for you right now. So BBT tracking allows us to confirm ovulation. And the way that we it does this is because what we're tracking is your temperatures. So BBT literally stands for basal body temperature tracking. Um, And what you are doing is actually tracking your temperatures first thing in the morning um, and plotting those temperatures on a graph. So I'm going to talk more through how to do it shortly. But what we're able to see 
is that when you ovulate, you're going to get three consecutive readings of a higher temperature. So it'll be about, it's only a small change, about 0.3 to 0.5 of a degree for three consecutive days that will extend out to until you get a period. Um, and it allows us to see that from that first temperature spike, you actually ovulated in that previous sort of 24-hour window. Now, A, it allows us to go, okay, you're not just having a bleed. You are definitely ovulating. Amazing. Then the other reason why it can be great is if we are wanting to check progesterone and estrogen ratios in the luteal phase, which is the second half of the cycle, we want to make sure that we're testing it accurately. And the best day to test that is going to be seven days after ovulation. Now, the the standard rhetoric uh, that your doctor will sort of give you is test this day 21. Um, and that test is only going to be accurate if you ovulated on day 14, which is only about 10% of women. So that means for 90% of us, that test is in- very inaccurate. Um, and of course, how different the day that you ovulated is will determine the, the sort of uh, amount of, uh, of variation within that test. So The reason why we would look at progesterone and estrogen testing would be, um, for example, if you are experiencing really bad PMS, it would be really important if you have um, endometriosis as well. Um, If you want to have a baby, it's going to be really important as well, especially if you have had difficulties having a baby. We we really want to look at um, the ratios between those hormones. Um, And even if you're struggling with something like PMDD as well, it's really, really important. And this isn't an area that I work in a lot, but also if you are approaching uh, in perimenopause, menopause, it's, it's also really, really important to check those ratios because from that information, we can understand understand more about how to help you essentially. So if you're experiencing symptoms or issues in any of those areas that I discussed, um, we need to know, is it progesterone that's the issue? Is it estrogen that's the issue or is it both? And getting that data is really, really important because the symptoms can look quite different, uh, can look quite similar, pardon me. So For example, if you experience a lot of uh, PMS before your period, so you get a period, but you have a lot of PMS uh, and maybe you struggle with really heavy bleeding as well, that could be that you your estrogen levels are fine, but you actually just have really low levels of progesterone and we need to work to support that um, through nutrients or food changes or whatever it is. but it could also be that your progesterone is actually beautiful and fine and there's no issues there and maybe it's your estrogen that's too high and we need to work on really um, either looking at the, where the input is coming from, so what's causing it to be too high, or is it detoxification and we need to work on your excretion pathways? Or is it both, which can happen as well? So, for example, if we don't know when you ovulate, um, it's very hard to obtain that test accurately. Um, so BBT tracking actually allows us to make sure that we're getting that test accurately done so that then we can actually apply the right strategies and not just take a stab in the dark. Because if we're taking a stab in the dark, you're going to end up with this really long laundry list of things to do um, because we're going to have to work on 
you know, we're just taking a guess essentially and we're, we're very much less likely to get good results from that. Whereas if we can test and go, great, it's actually not progesterone, estrogen's the problem, uh, and these are the key areas that we're going to work on to improve that, we have something much more workable to action. So that's the other uh, important reason for doing BBT tracking. Um, and then as it relates more so to fertility, but even um, PMS as well, is actually just also looking at the length of the luteal phase. So the luteal phase refers to the time between ovulation and when you get a period. And we want that to be between about 12 to 19 days. If it's much, if it's any shorter, really than 12 days, specifically for fertility, that can be a real issue because it's actually just not long enough to allow implantation to occur. And that can mean that you can be timing everything right, you can be ovulating and all of the things, but you won't be able to fall pregnant because the length of that luteal phase is just too short. And so what we need to do is use um, nutrients or look at why that progesterone is dropping off too early. Uh, and we, in that instance, wouldn't actually need to test progesterone because we would know that it's too low and we would first just need to really work on stretching out that luteal phase. And often we look at using some specific nutrients and things to do that. So um, that's the other reason why it's really, really important. I actually also like using it in clients with PCOS um, when we start working on getting a period back, for example, but they don't have one yet because we can often see when they're going to get a period because we can see ovulation has occurred and we're like, great, you're going to get a period um, roughly uh, just under or just over two weeks from now, which is really exciting as well. So um, I like to use it there. Uh, yeah. When we're, when we're working on getting a period back, the other reason I guess to use it to, to confirm ovulation is, you know, we can make an assumption that because you have a regular period, it means you ovulate. And this is not the case. Also, I do see a lot of people have that false sense of security, especially when they're using apps. Um, and I love apps, but a lot of the apps will assume that you ovulate and will tell you your predicted ovulation date. And unless they're using something like BBT tracking, they're just not accurate. So please don't rely on your app to tell you that a, you're ovulating or when you are, because it's very likely not correct. Uh, and yeah, I think that covers why we would use BBT tracking. Uh, and the the premise, I suppose, behind yeah how it works, just to expand on that a little bit, is when you ovulate, your follicle releases the egg. That follicle remodels itself into a gland. That gland is called your corpus luteum. Your corpus luteum creates a bunch of progesterone, and that progesterone actually stimulates your thyroid, which causes your temperature to increase by that 0.3 to half a degree. Um, and that's actually what we're measuring when we're using BBT tracking. So that's how we're able to confirm ovulation. Um, when you get a period, your progesterone and estrogen drop, that actually causes a fall. And so when you're looking at someone's BBT chart, you will see just before they get a period that their temperature drops off and that's as those hormones are starting to decline. And as a point of interest, if your uh, luteal phase extends beyond that 19 days and your temperature sustains high, you are pregnant. Um, and so it's time to go and do a pregnancy test. And I've had that many times where people very excitedly send me their chart and they're like, why is it my temperature going down? Is there something wrong with me? And I'm like, 
it's time to go and do a pregnancy test because that is more than likely what is going on. So let's talk about the logistics of how you actually do it. So um, you want to, there's different devices that you can use. Um, I use and recommend the Daisy, um, but there's different variations for that. So you can, um, you don't have to get a device. You can just use an ovulation thermometer or um, a, yeah, they'll be sold as an ovulation or, or fertility thermometer. And the key thing that you want from it is that it can display two decimal places so that it has the capacity to say display 36.12 rather than just 36.1. And that's really, really important for the accuracy side of things because remember that we're just looking at such a small variation in temperature. Uh, so you want that to display two decimal places. You're taking it first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. And it's really important that you've had at least three hours sleep uh, before taking the reading. So if you've um, you know, if, if you're only sleeping like an hour in that last stretch of the morning or something like that, then you're better off taking it earlier uh, and then inputting it into an app or something like that to track it. So under the tongue, first thing in the morning, take your temperature before you get up, do anything, go to the toilet, anything like that. Um, and then you want to record that temperature somewhere. If you're using one of the devices that I mentioned, then of course they'll record that for you. Um, otherwise you're doing this manually if you're using something like a, a, a just a fertility thermometer. And that there's loads of different apps that you can use, but the one I use and recommend is called Kindara. Um, and the reason that I preference this one is just because I sometimes look at charts for clients and they're much more easily able to share their data with me. Uh, and that uh, app will basically uh, use a graph to plot your temperatures onto that graph. And then what you'll see is that um, after you ovulate, you'll get that nice temperature spike and it will should look fairly clear to you as well at the end of your cycle that you've got that clear luteal phase and follicular phase where you can see your temperatures were lower, should sit around about 36 degrees and spike up to about 36.3, 36.5 for ovulation and thereafter. Uh, and you should also notice is before you get that temperature spike, that sort of four-ish days before is where you get that real increase in cervical fluid as well. And that's basically how you track your ovulation using the BBT method. Um, it is great for so many different reasons, but there are a few contraindications to be aware of as well. So when, uh, if you're like me and you wake up a lot during the night because you've got young kids, um, then this isn't so accurate. The thing that I mentioned was that you need to have at least three to four hours of sleep. And for me, that just doesn't always happen. So it does a bit more nowadays, but it's important to be aware of that if you've got anything like that going on or you're not getting more than sleep than that for another reason, that that can be something that affects the accuracy of it. Um, alcohol also affects the accuracy of it, uh, as does being sick as well. So just being aware of those things because that can mean that your temperatures are inaccurate. Um and yeah, the device that I mentioned was Daisy. There's also TempDrop, which is another quite common popular option. Um, I haven't used that one myself, but I have used the Daisy for a very long time. That is basically BBT tracking in a nutshell. So it's super um, important to determine whether or not you're ovulating. And really it's 
one of the best ways at home, at least, that you can confirm ovulation. And then using that information, if you need to find out some more information about your body, like the length of your luteal phase for fertility or your progesterone and estrogen levels for other reasons like PMS, menopause, fertility, uh, your mental health, then that is another great way to make sure that when we are looking at doing testing like estrogen and progesterone, we're not just assuming you ovulate on day 14, which statistically is unlikely uh, and are actually able to pinpoint the day that you ovulate. Some people also do use this option as a method of natural contraception as well or non-hormonal contraception. But even if that's not the reason that you're using it, it's still just a really great way to develop more body literacy and understand more about how your body is functioning It's really just important on the whole to understand that your period is actually not the key kind of function or or hero, I suppose, of the menstrual cycle, but rather ovulation is. And ovulation is the thing that is the most important for your long-term health that extends far beyond having babies. So it's something that you definitely want to find out. And you could do this short term for a few months to just explore this a little bit further, or you might use it on an ongoing basis, especially if you are using it for something like contraception. That's it for this episode, short and sweet. I hope you liked it. Feel free to come and find me on Instagram. My handle there is Celine Douglas underscore nutrition. I always love to hear from you and hear your feedback about the show. Before you go, a quick reminder that any information discussed on the PCOS podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal health circumstances, and of course, does not replace medical advice.